This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Fans and welcome to Puckcast with Statsman and AJ Rotowire's hockey podcast show. I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22. Look, it's been two weeks since we worked together on the Rotowire hockey pods, and I finally get my partner back. You got, you got AJ Scholes on the other end of the line. You can listen to him and follow him at AJ Scholes24. That's AJ S C H O L Z24. I'm thrilled to have my partner back, uh, AJ. Let's compare notes, though. I was uh, I was in Arizona for a baseball conference put on by Saber, and was fortunate to visit with my family out there too. But you also went west, didn't you? Yeah, I went out to uh, Las Vegas for, for a friend of mine's wedding. Uh, fantastic time. First time in, in Vegas for my wife, uh, so she definitely enjoyed that. Uh, but, you know, excited to go back there, too, uh, for the Rotowire trip in July. So kind of a, a primer to get me uh, ready for that. Uh, but, yeah, it's uh, excited to be back, and it's time to get back in the groove here. Uh, so I'll remind our listeners that throughout the week, if you have questions about your lineups, uh, fantasy hockey or just hockey in general, you can tweet at us and we'll try and answer your questions uh, either during one of our shows or, or during the week. As Paul mentioned, you can follow me at AJ Scholes 24 and you can follow Paul, the Statsman, at Statsman 22. All right, AJ, uh, let's get into a look around the league. We haven't done the 30 team thing in 30 minutes uh, for a few weeks, but this week I thought we'd take a look at uh, uh, the players uh, on the teams uh, and and tell some stories about you know which direction these clubs are going and and what are the news is the news that's topical in each case uh, let's kick it off off with a look in alpha order as we say and we'll take a look at anaheim first and certainly the john gibson injury is playing havoc with their goalie situation they're relying heavily on uh, jonathan bernier who i know has never proven himself as a starting goalie aj and and that's created some distance between them and the front runners in the in the division yeah, I, I do agree that the that the injuries are concerned. Uh, Gibson's played just once in the last eleven games, um, but it you know Bernier actually uh, has uh, been doing uh, pretty well. He's seven three and one with a, a two point oh one goals against average. So uh, I I agree with you, Paul. I wouldn't uh, want to hinge uh, my entire eighty two game season on him. Uh, have you know definite concerns about his uh, you know ability to be a primary number one. 
Um, but in the short term here, it seems to be uh, holding out okay for them. He, he seems to be keeping uh, Anaheim in, in the mix. Yeah, I suppose I'm hard on him, but I just remember the bad vibes I got when he was tending gold for the Leafs. So I can't even pump his tires at this point, and I won't. Uh, <laughs> and, and it's interesting to note, too, that they kept Perry, they kept Perry and Getzlaff separated most of the season, and, and neither one is having an outstanding year. And yet the team is right there uh, in, in the mix in that division. So I, I expect that there's a bit of an upside that we haven't seen there yet, and we'll see what happens down the stretch. What about in Arizona? What are the highlights for, the, for you? This is a team that's all about the low lights right now unfortunately yeah and I, I think if it wasn't for you know the rest of the team being so so bad uh redeem vibrata's signing might look like the the deal of the year they got him for one year one million dollars he's nearly doubled his point from last season he's got 51 on the year and so he's really uh kind of been the diamond in the rough on that team and like i said for for just a million dollars uh for a 35 year old uh, it, it seems like one of the best deals, but it's just not getting the attention because the rest of the team has really struggled. That's for darn sure. Uh, there are a number of teams that are, are looking on the up and up, though, and Boston right now, you have to think, is near the head of that class. They took a bit of a misstep in Toronto last night, and Brad Marchand's been on a wicked tear in the last little while, c- competing against your favorite player for uh, league-wide honors in the last couple of weeks. Brad Marchand has been really carrying this team on his back, though one of the, the leading scorer in the second half of the league this season so far, and a surprise combatant for the league's scoring title. Yeah, absolutely. He's got 35 points in, in his last 22 games, and 12 of those have been multi-point games. Uh, and it's no wonder that Canada dominates so well when you can put Brad Marchand and Sidney Crosby on the same line. I mean, these two guys looked great at the at the uh, uh, World Cup. And I think, you know, they both have carried that into their season. If, if Boston makes a deep run, it'll definitely be the ba- on the back of Brad Marchand. And uh, in uh, the other killer bees of the, of the division are not t- so killing this year. That's the Buffalo Sabres. They, their rebuild has taken a bit of a backseat to re- other rebuilds that are going on, a little more success. But part and parcel of that situation is uh, some horrendous uh, luck on the back end uh, for them. Yeah, their D is really banged up, and it, it's not surprising they've gone four, five, and one in their last ten. Four regular starters, four regular defensive starters are out, and that's Falk, Kulikov, Franson, and Fadoon. They're all hurt. You add in Kyle Oposo's nine-game absence, and it's it's not uh, hard to see why this team has struggled and why the rebuild hasn't been going quite as well as they hoped. True enough, and uh, Calgary took a bit of a blow yesterday with the news that Matthew Chichuk is going to be sidelined for a little bit for a misdemeanor activity on the ice with a suspension. But uh, he earned it with a vicious, uh, vicious elbow on Drew Doughty the other day. But Calgary's a team that's turned things around this year, and it looks like they're going to make the playoffs, AJ. They're in the mix in the Western Conference. And uh, Tuchuk's been a big, big factor in that uh, resurgence, I'll say. But uh, the defense is starting to take shape as well. What's your read on this situation? I know you owe me a dollar here, though. <laughs> I absolutely do. I'm not afraid uh, to admit it when I'm wrong. You know, I wrote Elliot off when you know, Brian Elliott off when he got benched, you know, from about mid-November to mid-December. Uh, but he's 15-1-1 with a 1.88 goals against average and two shutouts in, in his last 18 contests. And that's not to mention the 11-game win streak that he's currently on as well. He has turned it on. Uh, he turned a corner. You know, apparently it took some time moving 
from St. Louis up to Calgary. He definitely had some ups and downs earlier in the season, but he's red hot right now. He's one of the three stars of the week for the NHL this week. Um, and so it, they are definitely uh, riding him as, as hot uh, with the hot hand. And uh, talk about a guy who has a hot hand in Carolina. Uh, Eddie Lack was much maligned for uh, in the last, uh, well, a few weeks ago. He, he was called out by his coach, but since then he's rebounded and he's won th- three of his last four starts and uh, competing with Cam Ward for playing time there. I'm happy to see this because uh, I, I think Eddie, Eddie Lack has a future in this league and I think he has a future in Carolina and uh, might be the cheaper option that, that they wind up keeping in the long, over the long haul just because he's a younger guy than his car- counterpart. But you have, you have your own thoughts too on this one, I'm sure. Well, I, I agree that Lack's uh, really stepped up his game and, and maybe that calling out was, was good for him. Cam Ward, honestly, is starting to look like a a flop almost. I mean, in his last 12 outings, he's allowed three or more goals 10 times, and that's uh, rounded out a three, four, and five record. And, you know, he was an emerging star in this league. He helped win the the Stanley Cup in his rookie campaign, Um, but he hasn't had a 30-win season since 2011 and 12. I mean, this is a guy that's really kind of dropped off in recent years, and so uh, maybe that's the impetus behind calling out Lack because they know they need him to step up because Ward's just not the goaltender that they thought he was right now. Yeah, it's interesting. What the, we'll see what they do in the off season there, but uh, I'm sure they have to expose one of these two guys. And really, now they know that they have something in Lack that they didn't expect earlier in the season. So things might be looking up. You need a good goalie to build as your foundation going forward. So. Uh, we will see what happens in Carolina over the next little while. One team that doesn't have any issues in goal is the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, you know what, AJ? I had a look at this club on Saturday night when they came in and played the Leafs, and boy, oh boy, they look scary again. I mean, the Leafs held them to a, a 2-1 overtime loss, but the Hawks, when they put their big guns out there, uh, there's almost a fear. You can you can feel it, uh, see it, a palpable fear when the likes of Taves, Kane, and, and Keith came on in the overtime. The Leafs just took a, a very deferential pose, and, and at the same time, you, you see where they plug in these players. They come from nowhere, and it seems like they just fit in John Hayden for instance a very highly rated prospect got his first goal of the season that night and uh, looked up for all the world like he's been playing there all season long flying up and down the wing and and really a big part of their offense on that night when they squeaked out a victory well the moral of the story is never to doubt the Hawks they're 8-2-0 and uh, with a five-game winning streak while the Wild are 2-8-0 and that puts Chicago seven points ahead uh, for uh, the division title with 10 games to go. And you highlighted some of their guys. You've got Kane with eight goals and, and six assists in March. Panarin's got five goals and six assists. Taves has four goals and three assists. And, you know, you add in the fact that Anisimov is out. Hosa has been out the last two. You add those guys back into this lineup, and they're they're definitely a force to be reckoned with. And one team that is not a force to be reckoned with is right behind them. That's Colorado. This is just because alphabetical order. They'll never be this close for a, for a number of years, I don't <laughs> think, AJ. And, uh, you know, the, the, the white flag was raised some time ago here. I, I just don't think there's... Uh, we, we, we see that they're, they got the young guns still in the roster, and maybe they, they hope that this is just a bad season and, and they'll rebound. But for me, this goes back to last summer when Patrick Waugh uh, left them high and dry as a coach. It was from that point on that things have been on the downslide, and it just hasn't stopped. 
Well, and they've gone from bad to worse, too. I mean, Landis Gog's on a six-game goal drought. McKinnon, just one goal in his last five outings. Duchesne's got one point uh, in 14 games. And if you can't rely on your top talent, you really know it's gotten bad. And if I'm the owner, I blow this organization up from top all the way to the bottom, uh, whether it's your your front office people, your scouts, uh, your your players even. I mean, I know at the trade deadline, I highlighted maybe trying to get rid of some of these guys. I still think that's the better direction to go. Um, I think they need a full-on uh, Toronto Maple Leaf-style rebuild in Colorado. Yeah, and one team that's getting it right right now, and it's on the strength of great goaltending is Columbus. They're still in the hunt for the top uh, seed in, in their division, and actually the President's Trophy. And I'm shocked to be able to say that when they're competing with the likes of, of Pittsburgh and Washington here. So why don't you tell a bit of that story? Well, after a disappointing February, Bobrowski is definitely back on track. He's got a seven-game winning streak uh, that he jump-started with three straight shutouts, which is almost unheard of. That's that's phenomenal goaltending. Uh, he's they're currently tied with Washington for the lead in the Metro Division with 100 points, but you got the Penguins right there with 99. This is going to be a dogfight to the end. I think all of these teams want that number one spot so that they can go play some scrubs from the Atlantic. Uh, and don't want to have to play, you know, in that 2-3 matchup in the, the first round of the postseason. And in Dallas, I owe you a buck. So we're even so far on that ledger because <laughs> uh, the goaltending situation has just driven driven them crazy over there. I mean, Kerry Lettinen uh, has been blown out in a couple of his most recent starts. And, and really, uh, that's just the tip of the iceberg because Antti Niemi uh, has been even worse, I'll say, over the last little while. So they really need an answer in the nets. And I, I think these two veterans certainly hadn't provided. I expected one of them to emerge over the course of the season. And for a while, Lettinen did so. But... Of late, it's been it's been a really black hole for them in, in Dallas. Absolutely. And I, I think the issue is it doesn't seem to matter who starts. I mean, right. inevitably, the other guy ends up in the net as well. <laughs> you know, Lettinen does have the shutout last night. Uh, I don't know what was wrong with the Sharks. I give that more uh, disappointment in the Sharks offense than props to, to the goaltending in Dallas. But Lettinen's 4-3-0. Uh, with a .921 save percentage, while Niemi is 0-2-0 with a .81 save percentage. So you're seeing just how bad these numbers are of late. Uh, if this team, in my opinion, had even a halfway decent goalie, they would definitely be in the hunt for at least a wild card, if not for the third-place spot in their division. Uh, it it needs to be addressed in the offseason. I'm surprised it didn't happen at the trade deadline, um, but we'll see what happens uh, heading into next year. And the next club is one that's really a subject of a lot of uh, hand-wringing at the head office there in Madison, as I understand it. The Detroit Red Wings, the streak is over. We can pull the carpet over these guys. They're done this year. And that that's ends a remarkable 25-year run. We can't really blame the goaltending entirely here, though. Marazic has had his struggles. Howard's had his injury woes. But I think, uh, I think it's just a lack of talent on the blue line that's really killed this team this season. Cronwall's really looking along in the tooth. Mike Green maybe as well, despite the fact he's not that old as a defenseman. He's got a lot of travel miles and injuries on his ledger. But now they've introduced the likes of Ouellette, Jensen, and Russo on the defense. So maybe that's just a, a bit of an indicator that uh, they're ready to make the turn into a full-blown rebuild. And I know in speaking to Jimmy Devilano recently, he says, you know what? He took a line from the Maple Leafs. He said, there's going to be pain here for a while. And so uh, Wings fans, you know, you're going to find out what, what it's like now. But the other half, 
uh, of the league uh, <laughs> that, that didn't enjoy your success is looking at you saying, we know what you're going to go through and it's not going to be much fun, but uh, they've had a hell of a ride in Detroit. You mentioned injury, Paul. injuries, Paul, and I, I think that is a key point to this as well. I, I agree with everything you said. I think they need uh, a stronger blue line. Uh, they are a team that has gotten, uh, to use your parlance, long in the tooth. Um, but I, I find that most teams go through spells where it seems like every night somebody else is getting injured. But if you can kind of ride out that storm, you usually can come out the other side. For Detroit, they just haven't gotten out of the storm. They just continue to be injured. I mean, they still have four guys on IR, plus Helm is banged up. The other point I'll mention, too, is Zetterberg is 20 points clear of his next closest teammate when it comes to points scored. And so that's just too much condensed scoring, relying too too much on one person. Other guys need to step up, or they need to bring in uh, different guys that can maybe uh, produce. But I agree, the, the rebuild is on in, in Detroit. And the next club, uh, we all know about Connor McDavid and all of his exploits this year, but I was talking to somebody from out the West who's watched this team very closely of late, and he says the team MVP should be Cam Talbot. This guy has registered a couple of shutouts in his uh, last couple of outings and uh, has uh, four wins in a row and allowed a total of only five goals against. He's only been beaten for more than three uh, in one of his last six starts. So he's really delivered the goods at the back end, and uh, you need that stability. But the other thing is this team's been blessed with really good health of late. Uh, they got all hands on deck, so uh, they could be a scary out in the playoffs. Absolutely. I, I think the, the important thing, too, is when uh, Talbot does seem to struggle a little bit, you know, he let in four against Boston, but in those moments that he struggles, his uh, teammates step up and get him the goal support that he needs. And that's the combo that you want uh, in, in any championship cali- caliber team. Now, I don't know that they're going to win the Stanley Cup this season, um, but they're definitely trending in the right direction. And what I like is that uh, Lucic is finally showing up like he's worth the money. He's got nine points in his last 10. Uh, and that was a huge contract that they gave him. And for a while there, it looked like it might be one of the worst deals of the offseason. Uh, as you, you know, as you highlighted, they're, they're on a significant win streak. And I think, uh, you know, Lucic and uh, Talbot are going to be the linchpins alongside McDavid continuing to do what he does. Well, you're feeding me some good lines, so I'm going to go with linchpin for Eric Aaron Ekblad in Florida. <laughs> this guy was thought to be the next big thing on on the blue line uh, around the league, and, and really he's had a tough season. The points are way down. The plus-minus is way up uh, in a bad way, and right now he's dealing with concussion issues. And you pair that with the fact that Roberto Longo is out with his own injuries, and this team is also uh, finds itself in the also-ran stat category when at the beginning of the season, you and I both thought they would be challenging for the near the top of the division, I think. So a massive disappointment in, in Florida, and also one that, that is hinged to some off-season issues and some issues behind the bench and in management level where things took a turn for the worse early on, and they didn't rebound from it. So I think this could be called almost Colorado east if 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 i may say so yeah and i i think what's interesting is uh, i certainly I, I know you probably did as well paul it looked like ekblad was poised to get over that that 40 point hump he had you know 39 points in his first season 36 last season so he looked like he was right there on the cusp of reaching that 40 point total and being one of kind of the premier 
defenders in the league this year he's as you mentioned just 21 points in 67 outings but that that concussion is a is a big deal you know again injuries i i don't want to harp on it too much but they had barkov and huberto set them back at the start of the season and now luongo's injury i think is going to sink the end of their 2016-17 campaign he's missed eight games so far and reamer is two six and oh over that stretch with a 3.31 goals against average and that includes three games in which he gave up four or more goals. So their goaltending has gone from a strength to a weakness. Uh, and you lose, you know, your top uh, defender like Ekblad. It, it really, uh, injuries have set them up, you know, put them behind to start the season. And I think they're going to end their season here. Well, and talk about a team where we would not have expected at the beginning of the season to talk about Los Angeles in the negative tone this late in the season. But, you know, it started out with a tough blow for them early on when Jonathan Quick got that injury and he was out much of the season. But goaltending really wasn't the concern here, AJ. Peter Budai uh, held the fort very, very well. And so did Jeff Zadkoff when he got the opportunities. So you really can't pin it on the goaltending. They picked up Ben Bishop late in the season. Uh, to help out Jonathan Quick, who is back in the lineup and posted 221 goals against in his 10 starts. But really, the situation here is very clear. When you look at the offense and you see Jeff Carter, 31 goals, Tanner Pearson, 22, and then nobody else with as many as 15. Yeah, I mean, they, they brought in a Gimlet at the trade deadline to maybe infuse something. I really don't think that's worked out very well for them. Uh, you know, he does have he did have two goals kind of right out the gate, but just two points since then. And you add in, you know, Kopitar's numbers haven't been uh, what, you know, you might have hoped for. His assists are up, which is is fine, but you need him to score goals, too. He had 25 goals last season, just 10 this year. And I, I think Bishop, the Bishop move still boggles my mind. I mean, they brought him in as kind of an emergency stopgap in case quick wasn't ready to go or, or took some time to get back. And he's 0-2-2 with a 2.6 goals against average. I mean, clearly being a backup doesn't fit well into his mindset, his style of play. And so I I think you could have gotten much better out of Budai uh, than you're getting out of Bishop right now. Budai is a veteran. He's used to that backup role. Um, And so I I think this deal, huge mistake for Los Angeles, Uh, a great deal, a steal really uh, for uh, the Lightning, but for Los Angeles, a, a bad deal in my opinion. And right now, uh, it looks like Minnesota, this team was keeping pace with the aforementioned Hawks atop the, the Central Division, but they've taken a backward step, and really, really on the shoulders of Devin Dubnik, you can f- highlight what's happened here. His, average, his goals against it is just a shade under three, uh, where he was just a shade over two for much of the season. And that's 20 goals in the last seven games, one win and five losses in regulation. Uh, and, and so things are really not looking good here for, for them if they don't get the goaltending straightened around. Otherwise, you have to love the makeup of this team. They've really got, uh, really got strength down the middle. That could be an edge if they go head-to-head with Chicago, actually. I love the fact that they got three big centers who can all play the game at both ends of the ice, and they have to hope that they can ride that as well as, as a deep defense, which is another edge they have over the Hawks. But boy, oh boy, the pedigree of Chicago makes me go for them if it is it does wind up to be a head-to-head matchup here. Well, you those head-to-head matchups are key, and that's kind of when it all uh, seemed to go, you know, south for for uh, Dubnik here. Is he gave up two goals on two shots against the Blackhawks on March 12th, and then they yanked him. Since then, he's lost uh, four in a row. His goals against average has been abysmal over that stretch. 
you know, two wins in, in the month of March. And I think the problems aren't just limited to him. The, the goal scoring has been down. Uh, and there's just, it's not injury related either, which is kind of confounding. Something just isn't clicking with this team and the, the coaching staff needs to figure out what it is as soon as possible to get them back on track, or they're going to just back their way into the playoffs and get bounced in the first round. Yeah, and who would have predicted that? Well, certainly the next club on the, on the docket is the Montreal Canadiens. Carey Price doing what Carey Price does. Look at it. In his last seven game, uh, six appearances, he's only allowed more than one goal twice. So he's back on the top of his game. And they took a, a critical back-to-back set from Ottawa on the weekend. That's all I'm going to say about them. I can't, I can't say any more good stuff about the Canadians, can I? I don't want to buck my trend. I hate the club. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's surprising to me is that getting bigger uh, on their, their forward lines is actually paying off. You know, I was skepti- skeptical about their trade deadline moves uh, to get kind of a bigger, grittier team, bringing in guys like Ott, King, and Ben. But it's clearly working out. They're 8-2 uh, and two in their last 10. I do want to see what happens when they face one of these speedy teams uh, like uh, kind of like Pittsburgh uh, that uh, when they have to play a best of seven series against these guys. Now, they're definitely hoping that maybe they can wear down some of these speedier clubs and and kind of, uh, you know, affect them that way and maybe, you know, grind out wins that that seems to be what they're going for here. Uh, I'm still a little hesitant about it, but so far it's working for them. Well, and the next club up is, is, I think, one that could be a sneaky one in the playoffs. If what ha- What's happened with Pecorini in his last two starts? He's allowed only a total of two goals. Before that, he allowed three or more in eight of his last, prior nine starts. So things really were going south just because of the goaltending inconsistency there. But if he is back in the groove, uh, he, you know, this guy used to be one of the league's elite goalies up till this season, but he's taken a bit of a step backwards and maybe he's right at himself. And that could be a real key to a turnaround in Nashville, I think. Well, hopefully for them, it will be. I mean, if he if he's not an elite goaltender anymore, they're stuck with paying him elite goaltender money at $7 million a year for the next two seasons. You know, plus, he's got a modified uh, no-trade clause, so that would make him hard, hard to move if they needed to. Now, I do really like their, their backup, UC Saros. I've seen him play firsthand in the AHL. I think he's you know, got the tools and the talent uh, to be a, a starting netminder in the NHL. Now, I'm not sure he's quite ready to be there you know, next season, but I'd be a little surprised uh, if he can't turn it around to see Rene finish out this deal in Nashville. Well, and the next club, New Jersey, they kind of pin their hopes a, a little bit in terms of shedding the image of an offensively starved club in the offseason when they picked up Taylor Hall in a deal. He's had a tough year. It's only 17 goals, 30 helpers, which lead the club, and a minus 7 rating, which is kind of symptomatic of, of the problem here. They can't outscore their... Uh, they can't uh, defend to uh, make up for their offensive deficiencies, rather. Kyle Palmieri may be a, su- a surprise contributor. You might not guess that he's leading the club with 25 goals on the season, but other than, than him, there's nobody over the 20 mark, and that's really a problem here for this club. In fact, they only have five guys in total over 10, and so you need more offense than that, and just it's just New Jersey being New Jersey again. What we know of this club is they're goal-starved. Yeah, well, and normally being goal-starved hasn't been a problem when you have elite uh, star power goaltending, and they, they just don't have that anymore. I mean, I don't, I don't think Corey Schneider's a bad goalie. I think he does a serviceable job, but he's not that shut-down goaltender like they're used to there, and I do think part of the problem has also 
um, been injury related. You've got a guy like Steve Santini uh, who's been playing winger for them. You know, they've been going in most nights with uh, 11 forwards and seven uh, defensemen due to just a huge number of injuries. I mean, they've got six, six different forwards out with injuries right now. It's really stretching the depth of the organization. Uh, and as you mentioned, you know, they, of the six guys that are injured, two of them are in their top 10 in scoring and that's Calmary and wood. Uh, and so it's not really surprising to see they they only have 2.27 goals per game. That's third worst in the league this season. And I know we were both anxious to see what Thomas Grice would do with an extended period of play as a starting goalie in, in, on the Islanders. We now have our answer. He's just coming through a stretch. He had a good game last time out against Edmonton, allowing them only one goal against. But in the prior six, he was lit up for no fewer than about 20 goals in six games. And that's not good enough in the modern NHL. And the Islanders just, Islanders just could not outscore that inefficiency. And this was against some lesser ranking clubs. Vancouver once, Carolina twice in that mix. So uh, it doesn't bode well when when you hand the guy the the keys and you think he's going to be your stopgap guy and uh, it's caused the Islanders to slip back in that that wild card race uh, three points behind the Leafs right now and they look to be if you if you were talking about a hot music chart they'd have the arrow pointing down right now absolutely and I think part of it has to do with maybe Grice getting a little tired he's played in 13 straight games uh, so at first I was a little surprised to see that they haven't given any starts to Barub. The issue is that they did give him a start and they yanked him after he allowed four goals on just 13 starts. So they're kind of stuck with, uh, you know, riding Grice. And if they can figure it out, it may be time to try and squeeze Halak in under uh, the salary cap. I know he's got a huge contract. They're burying that in the AHL. Um, but if there's any way that they can squeeze that that deal uh, under the salary cap, they may need to try and bring him up because Grice is clearly showing signs of fatigue. He's getting tired. His you know outings have been disastrous. But Barub completely uh, you know gets shelled when he does try and come in. So if they can make it work, it might be time to bring back Halak. It seems that we've been talking a lot of goalie about a lot of goalies here, and when you come to the Rangers, you have to mention Henrik Lundqvist. He struggled recently with a couple of four spots on his ledger, and I wonder uh, out loud. Uh, I mean, he's expected back soon from his injury, so it's not going to threaten the playoffs. Uh, but you wonder if this team's tanking for fourth place in their division. I mean, it wouldn't be the worst strategy. Uh, it, it is definitely, you know, you get a better matchup. I think playing the top team in the Atlantic. Yeah. But uh, overall, you know, I do think the the injury to Lundqvist is a somewhat of a concern only because Antti Ranta hasn't seemed like the, the shutdown backup that he was when he almost nearly uh, got or he did actually get Lundqvist bench for a few games with how hot he was. He was playing so well earlier in the season, and now he's kind of just been a disaster of late uh, with 2-2 two, two and one record and a .903 save percentage. It just hasn't been good enough. I think uh, once Lundqvist comes back, they'll, they'll be fine, though. But I agree, Paul, might not be the worst strategy to end up fourth in this uh, this division. Yeah, the only red flag there that you can add into the mix is that Kevin Klein, Dan Girardi, both two guys that they rely on in their top defense pairings, are both out of the lineup now. So between them and Lundqvist being out, that's a real factor in the Rangers allowing more goals than we're used to seeing. 
Next up, we're going to talk about the Ottawa Senators. Of course, they lost two key games uh, against uh, Montreal on the weekend. One of them went to extra time, so they got, did get a point. But losing uh, a total of point, uh, points 4-1 to one on the weekend really has to ha- hurt them. And I wonder, you know, there, there could be a bit of a residual effect here when you get up so high, and I know they were up for those two games and didn't get the results. You wonder if that ha- could have a lasting effect. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking about the team here as a whole, and I wonder what your thoughts are there and maybe you can tell us what you think about their goaltending situation too. Well, Paul, if we're going to throw out some uh, some conspiracy theories here as well, maybe not the worst place to be in second place for Ottawa so that they can play Boston and stick with an Atlantic division rival rather than having to be Montreal and having to play the Rangers. So uh, it, it works both ways. It, it could be going on there as well in the back of their minds. I do think there is an issue with Mike Condon. He's just not suited to be a backup. Since Anderson's return, he's really struggled. He's got just one win in his last five. And I do think those those kind of struggles are why Ottawa has, uh, in their last kind of four games, they gave two to Condon, two to Anderson, I think tr- to try and maybe uh, get them out of that backup mindset. But now it's not working for either guy. So I think at this point, you're going to have to just deal with Mike Condon struggling in a backup role. I know you saw that uh, when he was with your team just not a, a solid backup no that's true what about in on in philadelphia you got to wonder where their leadership has gone when i'm thinking of claude Giroux here uh, he's had a very ordinary season i mean in years past i put him just a if crosby and company were like a 1a this guy was kind of a 1b in terms of the pivots top pivots around the league but uh, three goals, eight assists in his last 20 games, just not cutting it, and a real big reason why the Philadelphia Flyers are not going to be there at the end of the line. I agree. I think scoring has been really spread out on this team. They are still averaging uh, 2.77 goals per game in the month of March, but nobody on their team has double-digit points. Uh, and so I think that's kind of, uh, to your point, Paul, you're not getting the scoring from your kind of elite uh, players which, you know, while in a regular season, you want all your players scoring to kind of uh, fill in the gaps. When you're heading into the postseason, you got to have your best guys on top of their game. Boy, and the best guys on top, best guy in the league is on top of his game right now. Your, your buddy, Sidney Crosby, on fire, 40 goals, 40 assists. We're going to talk a little bit more about him, but who else is doing it in Pittsburgh for your, from your perspective? And I know you want to give a nod to a guy who has been much maligned despite the fact that uh, he's performed rather well of late. Yeah, the Pens continue to lead the league with 3.46 goals per game. And, you know, I will quickly note that, that Malkin is out again. Uh, that, you know, it seems to be a constant with him. The upside, if you're kind of a season long player, is that when he is in the lineup, he averages over a point per game pretty much over his entire career. So you got to take the highs with the lows for him. And there are the blue line injuries. You got Latang, Daly, Mata, even Hainsey, who they brought in uh, to help stop uh, as a stopgap for some of these injuries, is out. Um, so I think the highlight is, you know, the. The player, the young players are still continuing to step up. We saw that last season when they made uh, the run to the Stanley Cup, and we're seeing that again this year. And then, as you mentioned, Paul, I think it's time to unlock the flower. He's 3-0-1 his last four uh, outings, and that includes a pair of shutouts. He clearly wants the net heading into the postseason, and I think it's time to give it to him. He's just performing so well. Murray hasn't been awful but he certainly hasn't been on top of his game. I I think we need to see the flower in Pittsburgh. 
Well, and I wouldn't mind seeing that too. Uh, he's done a lot of good for things for them in the past and uh, deserves maybe one more swan song before he gets uh, exposed, maybe in the expansion draft in the offseason. Uh, in terms of the next club up, that's the cream of the Pacific crop in San Jose. You know what? You might say that uh, they're number one in the division, but I'm a little concerned about the best defenseman in the game. He's been blanked and completely on the score sheet in seven of his last eight starts. And I've watched this team play a couple of times recently and losing a couple of home games where they couldn't muster much offense. Unless that big number 88 gets off the schneid, this could be a team that's primed for an early exit. I don't like what I'm seeing from this club right now. That's that's a great point, Paul. The the scoring on the blue line starts and ends with Brent Burns. They're not going to get it from any of their other players, uh, you know, more than you know a goal here and assist there. It, it really comes down to Burns, and if he's not scoring, that puts that much more pressure on the the two Joes up front. I do want to highlight one surprise uh, of the season, and that's Aaron Dell. Uh, you know, he's 10, five and one with one shutout and a 1.85 goals against average this season. And we're seeing him more and more in recent weeks uh, as they rest up Martin Jones for the playoffs. He's really been crucial to their success. You know, when we uh, did our, our season previews at the start of the season, I don't think either of us had even heard of Arendelle uh, and we're kind of surprised that he was going to be their backup, but he's lived up. Uh, to their expectations and I think surprise the rest of us and really given Martin Jones the freedom uh, to take a night off every now and then and one team that I've I've long thought was one of the deeper offensive clubs in the league looks a little different of late they're still seven and three in their last 10 games which is obscured by the Hawks recent run of success but when I look at their top three centers or I'm used to seeing depth and quality that I recognize but they've got the names Patrick Berglund Ivan Barbashev behind Paul Stastny and uh, that that leaves me with a little bit of concern because the Jory Letera is out Robbie Fabry of course is out for the season so their offense has taken a bit of a hit and I wonder if they can sustain what they're doing of late yeah and their their recent surge actually hasn't uh shaken you know Nashville off their heels they're still right there um, they need to close them out as quick as possible otherwise Nashville might come in and snatch that playoff spot away from them you know, and Jake Allen has been a huge part of their success, uh, you know, but uh, he can get ice cold really quick. He's shown that at other parts of the season where he can go on a slump and a poorly timed slump here, either right before the postseason or right in the first round of the postseason could uh, be their demise. And uh, one guy who had been holding up his end of the bargain in Tampa, which is the next team up, is Andre Vasilevsky, who's getting a little more playing time now that Bishop is gone. And he went through a stretch where he allowed only five goals in four games. But his last two starts have been rather ineffective, and one of them was against the Maple Leafs, a team that Tampa's trying to catch. So he didn't come up big in an, on a night when they really needed him. And boy, they need him to continue to step up big because this is another team that's offensively challenged after Nikita Kucherov. When you think of the likes of players that they, that they can on this roster it's shocking to me that he's the only one over 20 goals in fact he has 33 and a plus 12 rating which makes him one of the better all-around players in hockey but uh, other than him and Victor Hedman there's a lot of guys that have underperformed here I agree and and the one player that I think could uh, infuse some offense for them in Tyler Johnson he's just uh, one goal shy of hitting that 20 goal mark he's injured and so again injuries late in the season uh, and I think a lot of us were maybe expecting Stamkos to be back by this point. I, I, it seems to be taking a little bit longer. Uh, and if he can't come back soon, I, I don't know that we're going to see him at all again this season because 
they may not uh, make the postseason if, if they can't get some more some more goal scoring. Well, and the Maple Leafs are a team that uh, I, I don't want to jinx them too much, but they're getting getting by without much from Austin Matthews. He's only got a goal and an assist in his last seven games, but the rest of the club seems to be rallying right now. Freddie Anderson delivering top-notch goaltending. This team, the kids and that goalie, are the combination that will drag them into the playoffs should they get there. And Right now they have a three-point cushion on the uh, next contender in that wild-card race. I'd certainly love to see the Leafs creep up into that three-hole and get the Ottawa matchup that you were talking about earlier because heading into that uh, Metropolitan Division would be a minefield. It'd be a great experience for this club just to sneak in, but I'd like to see them get in in their own division. Well, let's just remember, Paul, temper your expectations. I'm this is trying. A- This is a bonus year. This isn't a team that I think anybody expected to be making the playoffs this season. Their their rookie talent has been phenomenal. It's only uh, upside. So if they don't make it this year, I think they'll be fine. They'll be right there in there next year. Could even compete for a division title next season. Yeah, I think that division is wide open. That's why I'm hoping they can sneak in over there. But one team that uh, finally went south like we both predicted, although it didn't look like it earlier on, is Vancouver. They're right now riding a six-game losing streak. And that, that all but ensures they're going to miss the playoffs. The big thing here is they got a whole boatload of players on the IR. I mean, this is a team that's, that's in need of a rebuild. they got some big contracts that they're going to shed at the end of next season more than this year with the Sedin Twins uh, on the last year of their deal. And you wonder if that will signal a full-blown rebuild uh, in Van City. I think it needs to happen as well. Uh, one of the most significant injuries, in my opinion, is the Markstrom injury. You know, they, they know what they have uh, in Ryan Miller. He hasn't been the same netminder that he was in Buffalo Uh, And so he's been somewhat disappointing and they're paying him a lot of money to be disappointing. And I think this was their chance to maybe try out Markstrom, see if he can be the answer and decide, you know, as they're rebuilding, whether Markstrom's a a piece of that rebuild or needs to be shed and sent elsewhere. And the fact that they can't test him out because of that injury that he occurred uh, in a team skills competition. I know you'll love to hear that, Paul. (laughs) I know how much you hate skills competitions. Yeah. but uh, that, I think, is the most significant injury for Vancouver. Well, and uh, listen, about the Washington Capitals, I know that they're your arch rivals. If I would have told you at the beginning of the season that Ovechkin would have had 28 goals this late in the season, you would have probably said, great, that means that the Caps will probably be 20 points behind <laughs> the Penguins. But Absolutely. Listen, listen, they have had a defensive conscience not just this year, but last year. And right now, Braden Holtby's playing lights out again. And uh, he's got over 35 wins one more time. He's going to probably finish with over 40 again. And uh, multiple shutouts to his record. If you've got this guy in season long, he's far and away the best goalie in hockey right now. And just part and parcel of why this team is successful is indicative of the fact that they slide Kevin Shattenkirk, the big fish at free agency, into a third-line pairing role and maybe some work on the power play. So this team's got a lot of depth, and they can withstand the fact that their signature player might be having his his worst offensive season of his career i agree that this is probably one of the most stacked uh, caps teams in a long long time but we've seen this movie before paul the president's trophy winners uh only to be knocked out before the eastern conference finals washington has just one stand the cup final appearance in team history uh, and that's when they were swept by detroit in 1998 so i will believe it when i see it that Alexander Ovechkin and the Caps can actually even make a Stanley Cup final, much less an Eastern Conference final. Uh, I, I, I got to see it to believe it. This, this story's played out before. 
And one team, one Canadian team that will not be in the mix, despite the fact a number of others will, it looks like, is the Winnipeg Jets. Look at the injuries they're dealing with right now. Jacob Truba, Tyler Myers, and Toby Enstrom on the blue line. That's half of your projected starting defense out of the lineup. Andre Pavlich has been out for a while in the Nets, too, and that's left the the door open for Connor, Connor Hellybuck to deliver the goods, but he's faltered a little bit. So what remains for this club? To count Patrick Laine's points. And you know what? He, like Matthews, has hit a bit of a rookie wall in the last seven or eight games. Not been very productive at all. And we've seen the fact that when this guy's not scoring, he's not doing much of anything else. And I hope the pundits who do the rookie voting take a look at this because he's being exposed right now if you take a close look. Well, if you don't take a close look, you'll see that Line is still ahead of Matthews for this rookie title. (laughs) I do really think uh, this team just needs to find the right combination of their talent. I mean, you've got Shifley, Wheeler, Line, yeah, Little. I think it's just a matter of putting it all together. I I do think this uh, the future is bright for this organization. I think they'll be in the mix in future seasons once they can kind of put it all together. And and defensively, I think they need some help, even though. Uh, some of their top guys are out. You know, they. I think they need more uh, solid depth defensively to kind of weather these storms, uh, you know, when these injuries come up. You know what I can say in a positive vein? This could be Columbus East, uh, West rather, if I might say that. This is a team that might have had a surprising down year owing to the injuries that they've seen. But if, if healthy, this is one of the bigger physical best skating clubs in the league. And they could be fearsome if they get all hands on deck next year. AJ, we want to take a time out here to give a nod to one of our sponsors at pristineauction.com. This, this is a company that puts out uh, daily auctions with hundreds of lots. There's tons of stuff available for the man cave. There's always something for the perfect for the fan of any team. If you're concerned about authenticity, that's so important to me. Uh, we, they guarantee authenticity, and all items come with an authentication from only the most trusted of sources. And I'm also concerned about affordability. And you know what? When you look at some of the prices of stuff, things, they've got uh, sweaters. That I keep using this as an example, uh, signed by players, and they're not much more expensive than the sweaters would be on their own so if you're a believer that autographs increase the value of a product or some rare photographs that are signed are are going to be valuable this is a place to go shopping and you really have a chance to find some affordable pickups here for the man cave as i said and please if you want uh, you want to recognize it's free to register and free to bid and you only pay when you win Uh, lastly i'll encourage you please to look at their how did you hear about us section and uh, look for Rotowire in the drop down and give us a bit of a nod if we direct you to something that you really feel is a prized possession in your collection. Let's get back into it, AJ, building our FanDuel lineup for Tuesday night's game using fan, FanDuel prices for tonight's ni- 11 game slate. Uh, I'll take us through the first six games and you can handle the last five. We've got Ottawa visiting Boston. Of course, the Bruins lost a key game against Toronto last night. They'll be on the second of back-to-backs. There's no line yet as a result of that tilt last night. Uh, Up next, your Pittsburgh Penguins, a heavy favorite against Buffalo, where the Pens are a minus 190 with a six over and under. The Sabres are on the second of back-to-back, so they could be easy pickings for the, the visiting Penguins. The Rangers at the Devils. The Rangers are a minus 150 with an over-under set at 5. And the, they're visiting the Devils, a 7 o'clock tilt there. 
Calgary's at Washington, where the Washington juggernaut is a minus 180 favorite. The over-under set at 5 for that 7 o'clock tilt. Then Detroit, a team that's reeling right now. They're on the second of back-to-backs. They're visiting Montreal, one of the bigger lines on the night. They're minus 250 with the over-under set at 5 for that 7.30 start. And Arizona, one of the league's bottom feeders on the second of back-to-backs, looks like they're easy meet for Tampa. There's no line yet on that game, though. Yeah, going a little bit later, starting at 7.30, uh, Carolina traveled to Florida. Uh, You got the Panthers minus 140 with a 5.5 over under in that one. Uh, The Flyers head up north to to Winnipeg, and actually the Jets are favored in this one, a minus 130 uh, with a 6 over under. I think maybe the the travel schedule there is what uh, has Vegas uh, on Winnipeg for that one. And then San Jose coming off a back-to-back. Uh, they head to Minnesota. You got the Wild minus 140 in that contest. Uh, Vancouver at Chicago. This is the big one-sider of the night. Uh, the Blackhawks are minus 310 for this game tonight. 5.5 over under in that one. And then the final game of the night, St. Louis minus 120 for the Blues as they head to Colorado. You got a five over under in that matchup. All right, AJ, it's time to come up with our lineups for tonight's games based on all these tilts. Uh, You need to give me two centers, pal. So I'm going to start it off with Jack Eichel uh, for 7,600 and then Victor Rask for 4,600. I think both these guys have been uh, pretty hot of late. I like uh, Eichel. He's uh, got uh, a goal or an assist in four of his last five games. And then Rask is kind of a, a sneakier play a little bit uh, of a hidden gem there. He seems to find ways to score points, uh, even if he's not uh, actually getting on the score sheet. Uh, on he, when he played Nashville, he had four shots on goal plus a block, so that got him eight fantasy points. He had an assist in his last game, uh, so he's finding other ways to score. So I like both these guys uh, for their consistency and kind of uh, uh, unique uh, ways to score. Paul, what are you doing down the middle of your lineup? Well, I'm going with a guy who's got that playoff fire in his his eyes right now, and that's Jonathan Taves. He's had an excellent swing through Canada this past week, and I think it continues tonight with a good matchup for the Hawks. And uh, I I pair him with Jonathan Drouin, who has to be one of the offensive spark plugs that fans the fading hopes for the Lightning. They get a favorable matchup, too. So for a total of $13,200, I get uh, two guys that should be factoring in to easy top six minutes and and special teams roles in favorable matchups there. Uh, With the winger situation, we need four names from you, AJ. All right. So I'm going to start off with Tarasenko for 8,000. I'm willing to pay up for him tonight. Uh, He's got uh, that plum matchup against Colorado. He's been red hot of late. Uh, And then I was going to use two guys that I think you're going to highlight a little bit, Paul. So just to give our listeners a little variety here, uh, I do like David Backus tonight. I think at 5,200, he gets to go up against Ottawa. We talked about they've kind of been slumping lately. Uh, Backus is coming off. You know, he's got three goals in his last four games. So I think that's a great option for you. And then a guy I know that you've uh, highlighted in the past, Evander Kane for 5,900. Yes, Buffalo is playing against Pittsburgh. And, and the goaltending there has been spot on of late. But Kane is is another guy who's finding ways to score without being on the score sheet. Uh, and it's just, uh, you know, trying to find those value guys. If he can get on the score sheet, uh, I think he is another uh, great player to target tonight. And then lastly, I did kind of scrape the, the bottom of the barrel here uh, to try and fit in some of these guys. Uh, Magnus Pajarvi uh, for St. Louis. They're playing against Colorado. Uh, Pajarvi has... Uh, 
he had uh, was on a little bit of a point streak. He had three points in three games, uh, no points in his last two. But I think with the matchup against Colorado, he's one that uh, you can hopefully take advantage of, especially in GPP contests tonight. Uh, Paul, your wingers. All right, I'm going to save the two Penguins for last because we'll have a bit of a banter about them. But I picked Braden Shen as one of the guys in Philadelphia who is lighting up. He's got three goals, two assists his last four games, pouring a lot of shots on goal. And I think he's a great value play against a team that's pretty loose defensively. Uh, We highlighted the struggles on defense and in goal for Winnipeg. So that could be quite a shootout tonight. And I'll take a piece of that for $5,700 with Shen. And I also like uh, Andre Palat. I'm kind of jumping on Tampa a little bit tonight, stacking them against the visiting Coyotes. And Palat's only $5,200, but he's part of a pretty dynamic uh, forward line there, and he gets the top six minutes on a pretty good power play too. So I think that could be great value for the Tampa guys that I'm choosing in this matchup. But I also want to leave some time to talk about a pair of Penguins who are easy picks tonight. And Jake Gunsel at $4,900 and uh, Connor Sheary at $6,300. Both these guys are lighting it up, but uh, I think you know a little bit about their center too. That's some guy named Crosby. So makes it a pretty good pick there for both of these guys. And I know you want to jump in and say a bit about both of them. Well, I, I think using them allows you to capitalize on Sidney Crosby's play and production uh, without having to, to pay up for him. And so I think they're, they're definitely two guys that are worth stacking tonight uh, in your lineups. And AJ, what about a pair of blue liners that will fill out the, the compliment for you? So we've, we've talked a lot in, in our Thursday shows about uh, Brent Burns and Eric Carlson kind of being the top elite level guys. Uh, you mentioned Burns having a little bit of a, a slump lately. And so for me, not only can I save money, but I can get a guy who's been a little more consistent in Eric Carlson for 7400 Now on the flip side, I'm going to go a little bit lower. I'm going to go with Ivan Provorov of the Flyers. Uh, he's just 4,100 tonight. They're facing Winnipeg. Uh, we mentioned again a little bit how their goaltending situation's been in question. Uh, he's coming off a huge three-point night. Uh, and while I don't necessarily expect quite that level of production from him, I think against a, a banged-up uh, defense in, in Winnipeg, he's definitely a player to, to target and a team, really, to target. I think the Flyers uh, are worth looking at for a stack tonight. Your and, blue line, Paul. Yeah, and I, I, I know you mentioned that Calgary's playing very well on the defensive side of the puck, but they're playing, I think, the, one of the best teams in hockey tonight at home. The Capitals are almost unbeatable on home ice. One of the reasons why is John Carlson's picked up his game. Look what he's done in his last four games, for instance. Two goals and two assists, pouring lots of shots on goal. They need a linchpin offensively from the blue line, and he certainly fits the bill. But he's not the only guy that can push the puck up from the defense, and we know that they're deep up front, and they got that wonderful goaltending from from Braden Holpe, who was expected to start tonight, too. So this could be a low-scoring game. It could be a situation where the Caps silence the Calgary offense and uh, reward you well but Carlson should factor into any offense they did do generate and I'll partner him with Dustin Bufflin who this guy is one of the most intimidating presences in hockey he won't be bothered by the fact that the Flyers are visiting and you know it's not the Broad Street bullies anymore by any means but this uh, this kind of team uh, is a team that Dustin Bufflin will get up for just a little bit more because he expects a little more physicality Flyers will deliver some you know that but uh, Winnipeg will answer the bell Bufflin's been flying up and down the ice of late and one of the most consistent guys in terms of getting shots on goal in the entire league. So for $5,900, I think this is a guy that I'll watch very closely tonight. And we rounded out with our goalie picks, and I wonder if I stole your thunder, but uh, I'm curious to know who you have in the nets. 
So I was really tempted to use Matt Murray tonight of, of kind of those 9,000 and up goaltenders. He's got the best matchup, but I needed to save a little bit of money. Uh, I will hedge that by saying if the Penguins listen to our podcast and listen to what I'm saying about the flower starting tonight, I will use him tonight. I'll tweet out that lineup if I change it up uh, because you can save some big money and get a great matchup with Marc-Andre Fleury. But for who's the protected starters right now, I like Corey Crawford for 8,900. Uh, we talked about that game being a minus 310 tonight. That's definitely a one-sided. So it seems like Crawford is almost a shoe-in, according to Vegas, uh, to get the 12 points for the win. And I wouldn't be surprised if he could log a shutout as well. Paul, who's backstopping your lineup? Well, I had to look at the fact that Arizona's on the second of back-to-backs, and they're playing their backup goalie tonight, too. So Andrei Vasilevsky makes good sense to me at home against a visiting team that is in the bottom three in the entire league. And and so for $8,400, I get that. That's pretty cheap when you consider all of that, and it gives me flexibility to spend up a little bit, as I did earlier on with my lineup. So there you have our picks, and uh, we also have run the Rotowire Optimizer, which is a great tool. AJ, why don't you take us through a look at that and your comments on the Optimizer's choices today yeah absolutely uh really only just uh one kind of questionable choice here for the optimizer uh, it's got Sidney crosby and matt duchene as the centers crosby's 9300 duchene's 4400 i think you can get some really good value if duchene can kind of uh get things going together tonight and then for wingers it's got nikita kucherov for 8200 uh, Vladis, uh, Vladimir Tarasenko for 8000 So the optimizer's paying up big for those wingers. On the flip side, for getting some value, it likes Sebastian Aho of Carolina for 5200 and then Jordan Wheel for Philadelphia for 3100 Now, I almost picked this guy myself. Uh, he has been uh, on point lately, and so I think that's a, a definite value play that you may want to target in some GPP contests. We talked about Philadelphia playing against uh, Winnipeg tonight. On the blue line, it's got Rasmus Ristolainen in for 5,300, uh, but it did something weird here for the optimizer. It's got Jordan Schmaltz for St. Louis. He's uh, 3,000 and supposed to be on the fourth line. So what I really uh, would recommend to our listeners out there is if you run the optimizer, there's an exclude player button on the right-hand side. It's a big red X. <laughs> I would exclude him, run the optimizer again, uh, and you can get a little bit of a different uh, look there. Uh, I just did it now, and it, it definitely switched up uh, a lot of choices on the optimizer. I won't go through them all, but you're going to want to give him the red X for any fourth line defender it comes up with. Uh, and then in goal, finally, to round it out, the optimizer likes Craig Anderson to get uh, back on his game. Uh, for 8500 tonight against Boston. Yeah, I would suspect since there's three guys priced in over at $8,000, $8, including the goalie and three three forwards, you're going to have a guy that's a stiff player somewhere. And, and uh, maybe that's worth carrying him if you think the other guys can deliver. There's two ways to look at it. But boy, if you could fit somebody else with a little more quality than, than the Schmaltz is projected, you might have something here. So uh, it's fun to play with that optimizer tool for sure. We also want to give thanks to our sponsors at Fan- FanDuel with the reminder that baseball is just around the corner. Don't get stranded on first base without a Rotowire subscription and don't miss out on this great offer, folks. Make your first deposit on FanDuel today and you'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription. Go to FanDuel.com slash Rotowire to claim it. You must be a new FanDuel user in order to be eligible. Users may only establish one account on FanDuel. That's FanDuel.com slash Rotowire. 
We remind you also to join us Thursdays when we take a fuller look at lineup options in the NHL version version of the N- uh, daily fantasy sports pods that Rotowire pumps out every day for all sports. They cover the NBA scene right now, and pretty soon we'll be doing the MLB scene. So keep an eye on that. But for now, uh, we turn to the home stretch of this episode with a look at the stud of the week. And I know, I know, AJ, if it was up to you, we could put Sidney Crosby in as the stud of the week almost every week. <laughs> I'm finally going to get back on him for the first uh, two-time uh, winner of that accolade this season. But I'll also give a nod to Brad Marchand as well. We've talked about both these guys. But Sidney Kidd is on fire, enjoying a fantastic offensive season, reaching the 40-goal plateau for only the second time in his career, which is a surprise to me. But uh, I could go on and on, but uh, let's let his number one fan gush for a while, AJ. <laughs> well, I, I do think what's more impressive uh, than the fact that he's leading the league in goals uh, and just two behind Connor McDavid for uh, the points league is how he's been able to adapt his game uh, based on the players on his line. In the past, you used to pair him up with kind of a grittier guy that was willing to go to the dirty areas in front of the net, a guy like Patrick Hornquest or Chris Kunitz. But now he's one of the veterans in the in the league, and he's taking advantage of being paired up with speedy youngsters like Jake Gunso and Connor Seary. I think the only constant uh, on his line is that Sidney Crosby is putting up points, and that's something that uh, I just love to see. Could watch it every single night, and I do. There you go. And but uh, something I'd love to see if you just close your eyes for a minute and think, what would it look like to see the Chicago Blackhawks face the Pittsburgh Penguins in the Stanley Cup final this year? Get Jonathan Taves against Sidney Crosby for six or seven games. That would be awesome. And it's one thing if my Leafs don't shock the world, I wouldn't mind seeing that as a as a playoff uh, Stanley Cup final. (laughs) <laughs> All right, AJ, uh, let's talk about the rant of the week. And since the playoffs are around the corner, there's been a bit of a talk about the playoff seeding. And it may mean that at least the current setup may mean that at least a couple of the teams, league's top teams will be eliminated in the first or second rounds of the playoffs. And I'm torn about all this here because I know the league intended to highlight rivalries within the divisions for the first two rounds of the postseason. But when you look at the current standings and you see the Metro division featuring the top three teams in the overall standings and two central teams in the top six, it means that a few of these teams will not advance even past the second round So, and possibly the first. They don't deserve such a bad fate, in my opinion. Their performance in the regular season should count for more, and I suggest reseeding the top eight clubs from one to eight on basis of points in the season. Well, we saw yesterday that Daniel Winnick is not a fan of it either, <laughs> having called the division formatting stupid. Uh, and I do tend to agree with him. Yes, you want to highlight these division matchups, but the current format only marginally rewards a team for performing better uh, than the other division in their conference. And I, I like your idea of the top eight, uh, you know, reseeding. Perhaps another scenario in which, you know, the number one, say, from the Metropolitan plays the number four from the Atlantic. The number two in the Metropolitan plays the number three in the Atlantic. And while you wouldn't necessarily get the early division matchups, what you could end up having is division rivalries uh, for your conference finals. I mean, you could potentially worst worst case scenario from the league standpoint is you'd have all one division left at the end. Um, but I think that would give you guaranteed rivalries in the conference finals in that scenario. Um, so I don't think there's a, a bad, uh, a bad point of maybe taking a different look at it. 
That's true. And no matter which way they go, you, you, you'll have teams having to play really good clubs to get to the promised land. So either way, it's going to work out in the end where you've you got to beat the best to be the best. And at the end of the day, that's, that's what you want to see in the NHL playoffs. So maybe the dream scenario is a, a marquee final like I pay, p- pictured, but uh, we'll see what the route is for some of the teams this season. And that wraps up this week's podcast with Statsman and AJ. Remember to send your comments and questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. We ask you to look out for our podcast, Hockey Pod, every week so that you can get all the latest news and our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy contest. So long, everybody. 